Lost Talk Radio.
fuel and feed fertility and prosperity in, in, in the development of, of crops and, and produce and all sorts of manner that is accessible to us, not just for our bodies, but also for our souls and our spirits and our ritual work and our cleaning work. So we give knowledge, we give acknowledgement to the powers of nature. Indeed, there is no voodoo without nature. Voodoo is not witchcraft. Voodoo is not magic. Voodoo is, is indeed nature. And so in this Western world, we, many of us still live in, in this industrialized complexity of, of a lifestyle that many of us are, are living under, we seek to regain uh, indigenous connection to the earth, to nature. And it's through the powers of nature that we move our personal, but as well as our collective, our village, our family endeavors forward. So we give all praise and thanks to the powers of iron, the powers of the other machete and the powers of the foundation and the tools and technology that help to move humanity to the next level. But we also give acknowledgement to the powers that govern direction and that ensure that the arrows that are pulled in the bow and tossed forward always magically hit their target, always through whatever complexity, whatever weather, hit their destination. And, of course, that crop growth, that ability to plant a seed and, and watch it develop and watch it grow in its due season, that ability to distinguish between seed and plant and variety and utility and usefulness is just another powerful gift that not only empowers the voodoo and the ritual and the practice and the worship and the traditions and the people of these traditions, but shows up in our career and our education and our love life and in our health and our overall sense of wellness and, of course, the furtherment of our purpose, the furtherment of our destiny. So I greet the God that stands up in you. I greet the ancestors that, that arrive with you when you choose to meet me here in this squared circle, this sacred space. O- on any given weekday at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time in this beautiful, uh, historic, legendary city of New Orleans, Louisiana, I'm always open to your questions, your comments, your active participation, the beloved Denise Augustine and I are going to talk about Mother Wit momentarily. I'm going to bring her on screen as a co-host. And I invite you, too, to also join me as a co-host. Give me just a moment so I can get my banner information up. You know, things happen. And so rather than complain about it, I just say all is a blessing. Now, of course, the documents that I should have would normally have here at my leisure and in my face um, have vanished on me. So I'm having to pull some things today anew. So just bear with me. Now, that's the link that I just popped into the chat, and it's now uh, also present on the screen that you can utilize to also come in and join us in this discussion of Mother Wit. This 
discussion about Mother Wit. It's everything that you would imagine that it would be, and then a little bit more. (laughs) And then a little bit more. Our beloved Denise Augustine has a gift of always just giving you just a little bit more. And, of course, you can also join me on my blog talk radio phone lines at area code 845-277-9143. Please be patient with me. I only have two hands, but I have to, unfortunately, operate both platforms from separate tabs. So sometimes you might want to remind me in the chat, hey, I'm on the phone line, or at least give me the opportunity to look over and check to see that you've pressed the number one, your hand is raised, and then I'll also bring you into the conversation. And listen, I invite your questions, your comments, your requests. I'm even willing to do your readings live on air. But some of you know me, uh, live on air is a whole other dynamic. To, to a private personal reading and spirit speaks. I'm not always in control of what spirit might say, but, but, I, but I welcome you. Uh, we're going to talk about mother wit. And, and as I said, from every place that you can imagine, but um, please, Esmarie, thank you so much. And if you can, turn your webcam on. Uh, but also we're going to talk about mother wit from a more... Um, uh, universal ATR perspective. When we think about what mother wit is and, and how mother wit works, it, it's more than just big mama, grandmama, your guardian, you know, your maternal uh, elder looking out for you and sharing their experience, their recipes, the story of their life. If you're blessed, some of us don't have that connection to mother, father, and, and of course, their grandparents and the subsequent family that, that goes along with that. I was sharing that earlier with my personal trainer, just how different uh, the dynamics of society are. Uh, my personal trainer is a degree younger than I am, a, a few years younger than I am. So we're able to look at life from uniquely different perspectives uh, in terms of decades, in terms of generations. And it it stands out uniquely to me, and I'm sure Denise would um, agree with me that, you know, there was a time that we had more family gatherings and more block parties and and, and more holiday events where families truly and indeed came together and loved one another and shared on on one another and, and participated Uh, in the lives of one another. And that has changed dramatically from decade to decade, Uh, particularly from, let's say, my time, the 1960s, uh, until what we look at today. The involvement, for instance, that your neighbor might have in monitoring the behavior of, of your children while they're out in the street. Once upon a time, that would have been a normal thing for us to accept for us to embrace and acknowledge that your neighbors, your friends, your cohorts, your community, other black folks look out for you to ensure that, you know, you didn't stumble, your child didn't stumble, and and then bring the law and that energy back to the community 
So we, we went through a, a crack epidemic, and, and we went through many other changes uh, socially, politically, structurally in, in, our, in our world, and particularly here in, in America, where um, th- there's an absenteeism, if you will, of, of not just Big Mama, but, but Big Papa. Uh, Big Mama wants to be young now. Big Mama wants to live her life now, and Big Mama wants to do her thing now, uh, even the best case of, of scenarios. And so it's indeed unique now to find not just the, the roles that we've traditionally um, grown accustomed to in terms of the dynamics of building family, but then how that translates out into the community. So, so MotherWit was more than just, you know, that bank of information that maybe your mama might knew, but also her mothers and the other women who supported her, her community, her network, and the, uh, what we're going to call it, Denise, the archive of information from which Mother Wit is pulled from. Now, now we're going to accept that, that there's also a degree of intuition, intuitive power that also operates in, in Mother Wit. My mother's mother, for instance, uh, my grandmother Murtis, um, somehow knew everything that was going on all the time, and sometimes without leaving the house. Now, of course, she had a phone back then. She didn't have computers and whatnot. She had a phone, and so she might have known who to call or who, who to gather information from. But somehow she always knew, you know, you couldn't lie to my grandmother. You know, you had to tell the story straight. <laughs> you know, and, and there was an intuitive power to her, to her mother with. Denise is um, a, a few weeks to a degree younger than me. So I'm going to allow her to also share her experience, <laughs> you know, to open the conversation about Mother Wit. And, again, I invite you on both the phone lines as well as here live in webcam to come on in and participate in the show. Uh, hold on, Denise. I can't hear you. Unmute yourself. Denise, can you hear can me? Can you hear me now? Yes. Come on in. You can hear me now. Greetings. Um, how your mom in now? How your mom in now? Greetings, honey, and greetings to your audience. This is what happens. Nature, as you age, slows you down, whether you want to slow down or not. I'm a very, very active 68-year-old compared to a lot of 68-year-olds I know. But we tend to live more in the quiet at this age. And since we know that spirit speaks in the silence, we not only seek, but receive more spiritual information, I think, at this age. The other thing is we have to become more conscious conscious of the things and activities around us. Now, one of the reasons that your grandmother could tell a lie when it was being told and you, be- and you said you better come to her straight ears is the whole time the story is being told. If a lie is interjected in that story, it's going to stick out in bright red in, a, in, a woman, in an older woman's mind. You're going to go, something in your mind is going to say, that just doesn't fit. 
And so then the questions will come. Well, how is it that this and this and this happened, but this didn't happen? The other way that mother wit comes to us is that we have seen it. We have seen so much. And by the time you're my age, you have survived so much. You have escaped so much. Uh, Beyonce has a song called You're the Best Thing I Never Had. I can tell you, uh, Miss Denise was in love with a man and wanted this man so bad and went in in the park and screamed at God because I couldn't have him. And right now, he is the best thing I never had because I've seen where his life has gone. And so you get to a point where you know that you are absolutely, totally, completely, abundantly, wholly, and forever protected. You have come through so much by this age that you know that you have been protected, even with the things that you have gone through and survived. If you're listening to this, there was protection there for you. Even the worst things you're supposed to, not, that is one point in your life. That is not your whole life. And so from that point, where whatever took place that shouldn't have, or that was not right or was wrong to your spirit, you are forever to glean the lesson from that one experience. You glean every bit of information, and it's also a part of your protection. Mm-hmm. It comes to a point where your dreams will become more vivid. That you'll sit up in the middle of the night and go, okay, what is this? Or if you have a question, if somebody asks me about something, I explained to Ty the other day, uh, I'm not a reader. I don't have the ability. But if you come to me with a problem, I may not be able to answer it right then and there. Spirit doesn't speak to me instantly. But two or three days later, I'll go, this is what you need to do. The spirit will either bring it through a conversation or it will make it available to me through some modality, whether it's computer or reading a newspaper or reading a magazine, or it will come in conversation. Or something will bring it, but it will be two or three days later, and I'll call the person back, and I'll go, this is what Spirit said. Because I'm not going to guess. If I don't know, it is dangerous to guess, especially when it comes to healing. Um, It took me a week to tell a friend of mine what she needed. She may not like what I said, but what she needed to do to, to get past something. So mothers with comes, you see, with, even with me, who's seen spirits all my life, started seeing spirits as a child. 
During the time between 17 and 45, I didn't see him. I was moving too quick. If you're moving too quick through this life, mm-hmm. then you, you're assessing and, and taking yeah. things in what you want in, and you're not uh, uh, open to other uh, yeah. uh, spiritual things. You're moving too quickly. I was trying to get to the disco every night so I could get home at 6, so I'd shower and go to bed. So Denise, but now let, that I've come down, I'm starting to see the spirits again. But Denise, let me add to that. I think also there's just this sort of flow that you get pushed into, particularly in our culture, where you start having children at, at whatever age. And then you right. get preoccupied with making sure their needs are met. And, and the That's spouse right. or the husband, you know, th- their needs are, are, are met. And, and it's That's an right. unbalanced weight of responsibility to some degree that is often placed on, on the women in our, in our culture. And so sometimes their education might be delayed until That's later right. in life. The, the, the pursuit of their own... Uh, things that bring them joy and, and bring them happiness. And pleasure. Get, That's right. Yeah, get get delayed uh, to later in life. And so I think your focus shifts from 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 season to season, man or woman. Your, your focus shifts, and 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 it should shift. And, and we should learn and and gain. But there's something unique to mother with, and and in Yoruba. Uh, we have the word uh, iyami, which is the, the, mm-hmm. the mysterious power of, of women, so to speak. It is often erroneously translated uh, to mean witchcraft, uh, but I like to compare that to, you know, giving birth to a child. <laughs> that's not witchcraft. That's divine magic. It might be magical. Right. It might be life-changing. It might be empowered at every level, but it's not witchcraft. Um, also, there's a sort of a, a, a demonization that has been placed on women and, and, and mother wit and the power of women. Because mother wit is sort of a, a nicer way, you know, of, of saying, you know, th- those old snooty old ladies, those, you know, nosy old grandmas. So, you know, there's other things that, that get placed on older women and not just in our culture, but we also see it in West Africa. Uh, we're, right. we're still seeing witch hunts on our senior women and, and on some of our small children um, in many other regions, you know, of the planet. So, so the Yoruba called that power Iyami, and it's not just in the older women, but it's in women. It, it's said to be innate and natural and, and organic to women. But it is also in younger women because when you're raising children in your younger years, you have an innate ability to know when something is not right in that child. Mm-hmm. It, it, you know what I mean? A change in personality or something. Even in younger women with their children, there's some kind of connection with the spirit of that child that, that lets you know something has changed, the direction, the, the direction that child is going in is wrong, or even more, their company. There's something about a certain friend that's not right. So even in young women, motherhood is there. It's just more pronounced as you get older. So, well, like the energy and the power of Iyami can also be found in men because men have to pass through, through, through a woman, you know, to come into this reality. 
So it is something that we all have a, a piece of and have a, an access to. But, but when we talk about mother wisdom, we, we talk about a certain mastery of wisdom and knowledge and, and access to um, an archive of, of information from everything from recipes, uh, how something is cooked, um, to um, healing. Healing? Yeah. Healing. And, yeah. And how to apply um, healing applications in any given um, scenario. Yeah. And those are the things that I remember uh, the most. I was asked a little earlier today, um, you know, was I the unique to voodoo in my family or, or was voodoo in my family? And it pulled me back in memory to really the first conversation that I can remember um, really from both sides of my family, by the way, um, were about voodoo. Were, were about they didn't call it that, though. It was unnamed, don't you know? It was unnamed. Unnamed. Because we came but from the spirit of it was there. That's right, because we came from a time where it was said, "Those who know don't say, and those who say don't know." So, that's so right. You took great efforts to not say. You took great to hide. Yeah, to not uh, sort of uh, right. reveal, you know, the mystery of, of the tradition. Um, Melissa uh, uh, Warren, I'm gonna get to you in just a moment, beloved. So the, the first memories that I have are about voodoo or hoodoo or conjure or, or, or somebody being fixed. Um, and, and, of course, in, in both its negative and positive connotations. I had a great aunt on my dad's side that loved to talk about it, loved to promote it. Uh, she knew from a very young age that I had the gift. She knew from a very young age that I would become a practitioner uh, but as Denise just suggested, she, she would say, oh, that boy going to be a preacher. That boy going to be a preacher at two, three, four years old. But at the same time, she's talking about roots and bark and, 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 and playing the numbers and, and, and who doing a man and, and working, you know, so that she can uh, uh, gain other advantages in, in life, in, in society, uh, that she otherwise thought were being blocked or, or held up from her, if you will, because of the voodoo. Um, my father's family is also the same side of the family that sort of was marked with voodoo, was said to be the family that was involved in, had some dealings with. And so that comes with a degree of, of taboo. That comes with a degree of energy, you know, associated that I also had to sort of grow up in. But my earliest childhood memories are of the practice, the tradition, uh, my Aunt Mary being out in her garden. And she, it seemed to me at that age she had a fruit tree of every type and endeavor. Um, I don't know what happened in the 70s. There was some kind of virus that came through um, and killed many peach trees, pear trees. Orange trees here. Yeah. Killed the trees. orange trees. Many of the orange girls died here. Yes, yeah, so I remember a time when... when you know, just our environment was so much more fruitful and plentiful. And, and almost everybody's grandmother, big mama, mama, uncle, daddy grew something. Harvey they, they grew it either to feed. We can't hear you. You are muted. You are muted. You tell I me. said everything they grew had a purpose. Mm. It either fed the body or it was for spiritual work, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But that garden just wasn't 
put there uh, uh, not the days ago. It, it was put there for a reason. That's right. That's right. And often when my when my grandmother, my great aunt, you know, my uncles disappeared into the garden, we weren't privy of what they were doing in there. Now, if they were harvesting, if they were, you know, planting, if they were, you know, clearing out an area and they needed your help, uh, you absolutely were, were sort of welcome to be there. But there, there were those times when, you know, an uncle and a friend or my grandmother and a neighbor would disappear back into those trees, back into that garden, and that's where the real consulting. Rituals. Rituals. That's where rituals take place. Yeah, dealing with the events of life. So um, That's right. Uh, some of my other earlier memories of some of my great aunts, uh, hunting, fishing, and I mean hunting, bear, coon, of course, rabbit, deer, you know, big game, and, and, and then harvesting that and, and bringing that back to the, to the compound because uh, my family still to a great degree, uh, particularly my dad's side, lived in the compound. Uh, back when I was a child, uh, here in the deep, in the depths of Mississippi, in, in the depths of, of, of... You needed a compound for, for, for protection. Mississippi, yeah, protection from lynching. Protection. Out, out, that's right, from outside forces, because, and, and also to hide, because if you look like you were prospering too much, it would draw attention. So compounds were designed to, for security reasons, and to hide what you have, and to keep secret so that attention would not be brought to you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You have one too many chicken, and somebody else is going to be a problem. Yeah, and they were a much more humbler generation. Um, all of my grandmother, for instance, on my mother's side, sisters had homes, had land, had property, yet they worked for the white woman, yet they cleaned offices. Yet they clean, you know, toilets, you know, and and when you start accumulating two houses, three houses, some property, our our people weren't broke. Our people weren't poor. Indeed, they probably did not need, you know, to clean Miss Ann's toilet, you know. No, but it did the appearance that you were a team player. In the the cast where you were supposed to be. But, yeah, when you went to church, you had a little piece of fur. Right, you had uh, you had a first soul to throw over your shoulder. No, they were not broke. There's more money buried in Mississippi and mayonnaise jars. I wish I had. Yes, indeed. They buried money in the yard. I know they did. Uh, Melissa Warson says she used to have vivid and revealing dreams a few years ago. Uh, dreams have now disappeared, or her dreams are similar are polar opposite from reality. And she's asking um, what's happening. And I'm going to respond to her. And again, I appreciate your questions, your comments, your requests, your criticisms. You can either call me at 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143, and press the number one on your telephone keypad, and I'll respond to your, your, your questions live on air. You can also uh, join us here in the uh, in the stream with your webcam and be a part of the show. And you could also do as Melissa has done and type your question 
comment or request in the chat, and I'll do my best to see them and respond to them. Um, Go ahead and ask that. You know what that is. Yes. First of all, your vividity of dreams. The uh, it's a word we have for that. Um, um, there's a state, and it'll come to me in a moment, in which you are in your dreams and you realize that you're dreaming, you're cognizant or you're conscious, if you will, within your dreams. And we look at that as sort of the most evolved place a person can be in terms of their dreams when you, are, you know you're dreaming and you're able to address things, move things around, recreate things in your dream. Uh, there's a name for it. It, it. It'll come to me in a moment. Uh, but, at, but what you're describing is having seasons of vividity, seasons of, of illuminated dreams where you're experiencing color, uh, vivid uh, uh, imagery, and, and probably things that you can remember. And so we always have to look at diet. What are you eating? What are you drinking? I'm not going to ask you a bunch of personal questions, so don't feel like you need to answer any of these questions. Um, have you had children recently? Have you, have you gone through a pregnancy? Things that would indeed affect hormonal balance, chemical balance. Chemical uh, balance. By, by what we're eating. Are you getting enough fluids? Then the next thing I would look at is what do you do for a living? Uh, is it stress-related from work? Are there other areas of um, interest that your energy is being drawn to that's causing you to not remember? So the ability to bring that back is absolutely available to you. Um, one of my favorite stones to use is a Herkimer diamond. Herkimer diamonds are unique to Herkimer County, New York. Uh, I think they found a few of them in other places in the world, but they're particularly unique to Herkimer County, New York. They are multi-faceted, meaning that they don't have one point, but they're covered um, entirely. Uh, they're covered entirely um, with points, uh, and it's shaped sort of like you would expect a faceted diamond to look. I thought I had one in here, and I probably do. Oh, here we go. Yeah, this is a Herkimer diamond. So I would um, get a Herkimer diamond, and you want to meditate with it, pray with it, but keep it in your pillow or under your bed at night. And it can also help you to retain the energy as well as the detail of your dreams and, and what's happening. Also, you could be going so deep, again, if you're, too, if you're excessively tired, if you got a lot on your plate, you can go so thank you, um, Kayla. Lucid dreaming is the word I was trying to um, uh, come up with. You could be going so deep into your, your dream state that you can't remember. Um, like, like you're uh, dead, like you're in a coma, like, you, like you're unconscious. And often when that is happening, your spirit is, is now leaving the body. And so right. you're traveling, you're doing work. That's right. I spend a lot of time, um, for whatever reason, and I know the reason, but I'm not going to get into the details of it. Uh, some of you dream interpreters out there might, might understand uh, my dreams. Uh, but I do a lot of walking in big cities, Chicago, New York, 
D.C. I mean, walking, you know, 50 blocks from, from the north side to the south side uh, in, in my dreams. And sometimes I'm carrying, you know, a, a bag or two, not luggage, uh, not Erica Badu's bag lady. But, but every now and then I have a bag or two, you know, because I'm somehow in transit. I'm in between places. I'm going from one place to another. Uh, dreams with uh, airports and and train stations and bus depots and, and, and there's always this movement, you know, of energy. Uh, there was a time during the Persian Gulf Wars, and I might be dating myself just a little bit, that I would dream about flying over the wars in the Middle East. And I was sprinkling this, the best way I can describe it is voodoo dust, this pixie dust, on, on the truth. And some of you might remember, Denise might remember, that many of them came back with various health problems and, 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 and diseases that they had to fight the government for for many years uh, to get health coverage for, to get protection for, um, during the Persian Gulf. And now that I think about it, you know, that sort of just, whoo, just got quieted, just went away. Like, you don't even hear any mention uh, hardly of, of that, you know, anymore. I guess so many other things, including 9-11, have happened to create even bigger uh, distractions. But it's something that I remember in, in association with dreaming and dreaming activity. Uh, Melissa, I also beg of you, beloved, to keep a journal. You're not a computer, even though we kind of wired like it, but you've got to keep a journal. Write down what you can remember. If you can, write down what moon cycle we're in. Write down, you know, uh, to some degree, you know, maybe what you ate or, or what was going on. For, for my master journalists out there, they understand the more detail you can add to the journal, the better, in terms of seeing patterns, interpreting patterns and also interpreting your own unique dream language. Each individual has a unique connection to spirit. So dreaming of fish don't mean the same thing for Denise that it means for me. That's right. You know, Grandma she, used to she's say... She's actually growing spiritual muscle. The fact that the dreams are flipped, she's aware that they're flipped, mm-hmm. and they don't mean what they used to mean, That's she is in the process of growing spiritual muscle now. Because now she's got to think about so, yeah, the journaling yeah. is an excellent, excellent idea. And that's lucidity. That's the that, path. Yeah, and that's the lucidity. That's that lucid dreaming, that word that yeah. I that, that, Very uh, powerful. that beloved helped me to, <laughs> to remember, lucidity. So keep a journal. And for those of you particularly that say, oh, but I don't remember my dreams. Um, and, again, it has everything to do with living in this sort of Western technological, radio waves, electric waves. We got all kind of stuff going on that can interfere with our ability to sort of recall once we come back from these inter-intra-dimensional spaces that our dreams indeed are. Um, Freud figured, um, not Freud, Einstein figured out through the math that we exist in at least 11 dimensional spaces at one time in order for this reality to be what it is. That's what gives us the ability to go in the past on a dime or, or to go into future, you know, on a dime, particularly when the Powerball number is really, really big. 
you know, our imaginations open up about what we can do and how we would live and where we would go, you know, as opposed to just existing in the moment. So everything that we dream has a meaning, whether it's lift or not, whether recall or not. So also check your feelings. When I first wake up and I'm first conscious that I am waking up in the morning, I, I ask myself, how do you feel? How do you feel? Because often if you don't remember quite the words, the activity, the locations, the colors, the feelings will help some of that to come back to you. Connect to your feelings and then write that down in, in your dream journal. And over time, you'll see clear patterns, clear messages that are being spoken. I'm also sensing a transition, Melissa Warfin, from sort of one way of, of I'm going to use the word belief and spirituality and practice into another. Uh, there was a time that, you know, I just couldn't hear gospel. I, I just couldn't hear gospel. I didn't want to hear anything about the church. I couldn't hear a gospel song. Uh, that included Christmas songs. There was a time in my youth I couldn't hear Christmas songs. You had to turn that off. You had to shut that off. Um, because, again, that connected to memories, that connected to energy, that, that connected to an old way of, of believing that I was transforming from. And so I only wanted to hear drums and percussion and 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 Sufi music and, and, and even New Age music, but anything other than that which sort of kept that church loop going on in, in the hard drive. So sometimes, you know, I wouldn't remember. It feels like I would go weeks sometimes without remembering any dreams or any details of dreams while that new information was being downloaded. And so I strongly encourage the use of the Herkimer Diamond to assist in the downloads. Sometimes you'll wake up and you'll have a wealth of information in your head that you will, will feel you didn't have before, uh, particularly about belief about God, about reality, about the world we live in. So sometimes our activity, our human activity can be a block to us recovering that, that information from our dream state. So be sure that you're well rested. Uh, it's something odd about, you know, people who nap, you know, in the course of the day and how that affects your ability to dream. You know, and, and you start having these odd dreams, you know, because you took a nap in the middle of the day. And again, my my hat and my heart, my hat is off and my heart goes out to parents and people with, with, with schedules that, you know, seem like a, a, a block to having meditative time, peace time, time to take naps. You know, but, but time to spend with a crystal, time to spend in the green grass and, and out in the sun, time to connect with nature. And, and indeed, our rituals, our candle burning and our shrines and, and all the ritual practices that we do are a reminder to connect with the source of, of everything, the source of life, uh, to, to remind us to connect with the moon, to remind us to, to be aware of the stars. Uh, when's the last time you've seen a, a firefly? 
you know, wherever you live in the world, where's the last time you've seen a firefly at night? Um, Jennifer Anderson asked, what do we think about Moonstone and its uses? Uh, That's real interesting because underneath here, I wear a Moonstone. It's one of the stones that you all never see that I always have on, and it is personal, so I'm not going to show it. I I don't want everyone's energy looking into it. Um, You already can project because I've given you the general location. So I'm not going to show it, but I wear a moonstone underneath this all the time that I never take off. It connects to the great mother. It, it connects to great Iya. It connects to the great Iyami. It connects to the power of Oso. Again, these are, are, are Yoruba words that speak to mother wit, that speak to the power, the magical, mysterious power um, of women. I charge it in the moon, I charge it every day with, with clear water. Whenever I bathe or, or shower, I, I absolutely cleanse it because I never take it off. Um, and it's set in silver, which further increases its receptibility to, to moon energy, to psychic energy, to nurturing energy, to, to healing energy, to receptive uh, energy. So I'm a strong supporter of moonstone. That's probably one of the oldest Stones in terms of uh, years that I've been working with stones in general. Uh, I have a preference for lapis lazuli. I have a preference for moonstone. I have a preference for lapis too. Yeah, I have a preference yeah. for malachite. Um, and moonstone is something that I never take off. Uh, it's it's empowering for any psychic, spiritual. Uh, magical endeavor, but it ensures that your frequencies are always in in connection with the moon. And of course, that would include the water, because that moon moves the water, moves the oceans on the planet, and it does the same thing uh, within our. And women, the moon moves our cycle. Yeah. So this yeah. is just how powerful the moon is. Is that. Uh, it will move our cycle. The, the other thing that it does is you have five women move into an apartment. They will all start out ministrating at a different time, but within 90 days, their cycle has all been lined up where they all cycle together, and the moon does that. Mm-hmm. And I would acknowledge that men are also uh, – a 70% water. I'm not quite sure. I think it's 73% water. And so we too are affected by the movement of the moon, by the movement of the waters that, that exist with, within our bodies. So it, it's indeed in good behavior for all spiritual people to be aware of the moon, to meditate in the moon, to, to drink moon water you know, to bathe your crystals, your minerals, your stones, some of your tools in moon energy, and, and to not neglect that moon energy. Uh, I'm also aware that the moon is always present, whether we can see it or not. It or not. Yes, <laughs> yeah. it is. Yeah, it's always present, and it's always in motion from our perspective. Thank you so much, Melissa uh, Warthin. I'm, I'm so glad I was able to assist you in some way. Of course, if I can do more, just reach out to me, beloved. I'm I'm here for you. 
Um, S. Marie says she would try and call in. Let me look at my phone lines. Uh, yeah, area code 845-277-9143. 845-277-9143. When you are ready with your question, comment, or request, just press the number one. Beloved Esprit, and I'll open your mic and bring you into the conversation. Yeah, I like that word yeah. metamorphosis, Melissa. Yeah. Warfin. Yeah, you grow you grow in spiritual muscle, honey. You're getting you're getting your muscle and you look young. So congratulations because as you because you're aware of uh you'll become more and more intuitive as time goes on. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, you know, Grandma, and, of course, my mother, but it, but it had to come down from Grandma first, you know, had these habits, had these things that she would do, you know, spring cleaning, and, and, and we would use vinegar to clean certain items and ammonia to clean other items. And, and you know, as a child, you know, it's just all cleaning to you, and, and you're not sort of, tuned in to, you know, why bluing here and why pine there and and why the different sort of substances. But again, in terms in a teaspoon of sugar. Yes, indeed. Clean and look clear, not cloudy. Clear ammonia and a teaspoon of sugar will clear out any uh, disturbing spirits mm-hmm. and bring in a path for good ones. And 33, yeah. Melissa, that's uh, that's a power number, 33. Yeah, 33. Uh, 3 number. is the most powerful number whenever any work has been done. I want you to look at the power of 3 in all religions. That 3-3 three, three is why you're at this point going through that. Look at the Trinity out of the, out of the Catholic Church, the three witches of Eastwick. Look at the three the power of three in everything. Do you know at Marie Laveau's tomb, there's a number three on the ground in front of her tomb. That's the grid. That's the grid in the cemetery where her tomb is, is on the, is on the third grid. I'm telling you, that is why you're at a powerful stage in your life. And you need to learn all you can and use it. Like like Divine Prince said, watch your diet. The cleaner the diet, the more stuff that's going to come into you. But, yeah, you're growing your spiritual muscle. Spirit whispered in my ears, she's growing up spiritual muscle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good thing, baby. Yeah. And, and, and make sure you get in plenty of fruits and vegetables and that lucid ability in your dreaming will return. That vividness that you are missing will return. Uh, just make sure you're documenting it because there's always a reason. Even when you're not remembering, there's always a reason. There's always an activity um, going on, you know, in your dream cycle. So I, I appreciate that. I appreciate your questions. Um, I'm still waiting on uh, on the phone lines. I have plenty of listeners, but um, no one is press the number one to raise their hand and to participate. I invite you to join us live on camera. Um, we'll be here for a few more moments. Otherwise, we'll keep it moving along. 
I am working on some new projects, as I always am, <laughs> working on some documentary or some movie or some other demonstration um, to keep up the authentic practice of uh, Louisiana, Mississippi Delta, you know, black American demonstration of these traditions alive um, so that we don't get swallowed up in appropriation and bastardization commercialization and, and, and popularization and all the other um, activities that indeed go on. We must keep a sacredness, a sanctity about our traditions, um, lest folks would otherwise harm themselves and indeed each other. So when I think about, you know, my grandmother, um, and I speak more about my mother's mother than my father's mother. I knew my mother's mother much better. I spent more time with my mother's mother. Uh, my father's mother, who at the time of my life was evangelical, sanctified Christian, and came from that branch of my dad's family that was renouncing voodoo, that was trying to run away from any association to Hoodoo and, and Mississippi Delta Conja and, and, and all that kind of good thing. So she wasn't very close. Um, of course, you've heard me discuss my dad being being a, a bigamist and possibly a, a polygamist. Um, so she was never happy with uh, my parents' marriage or relationship. So she was not very close to us. Um, so I did not spend as much time with her. I, I saw more a church demonstration from her, anointing oil, foot washing ceremonies, watch services that lasted all night, uh, and she would come home wrinkled and, and, and sweaty, you know, from, from having prayed and been on the floor and, and been involved in, in faith healing, you know, all night. But my grandmother, much like Marie Laveau, uh, was a hairstylist and had her own beauty salon in her basement. You know, she had two chairs, and she had a wash chair, and she had a waiting area for them to wait in, you know, and, and often we were allowed to be downstairs, you know, while this was going on, but often we would be upstairs, or, or at least at the top of the stairs within earshot of the conversations that would, you know, take place in, in the beauty salon. And so I would hear you know, women's secrets, women's desires, women's pain, women's desperation. Police detectives uh, have no idea the information that is passed in secret in hairdressers' uh, spaces. Uh, There's nothing that women don't know in the community. Now, she may act like she don't know. She may uh, pretend to not be aware, but uh, the, the information that passes through a hairdresser's chair is, is, is more than it passes anywhere else. The who, what, where, and how of that mm-hmm. community mm-hmm. is down in that hairdresser's space. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And, and like many of you, my grandmother never used hoodoo, root work, conja, you know, never used any of those words around us. And it was only after her passing 
that we discover, you know, colored powders, you know, roots, uh, resin, incense, you know, and little booklets, you know, that she had used, you know, throughout the years. Um, even found some green stamps, if you can remember what those are. You used to get oh, them. yeah. You put them in a book and you yeah, get them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you have books. enough of them, you collected them. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. But in the course of growing up there, forgive me, y'all. In the course of growing up there and um, hearing the experiences of these women, sometimes the secrets and the magic uh, that these women applied um, when they felt backed in the corner, when they felt in need, uh, when they felt they needed to be empowered. Um, contributed a great deal to, to my life and who I am today as a practitioner. Um, that knowledge about the garden, you know, sometimes it translates into to cooking. And indeed, we have the master chefs in our midst, men that can cook just as well as women that can cook. But, but it was often in those places like the beauty salon, like the kitchen where the food was being cooked, and prepared where the conversation uh, would leak those truths, those mysteries, you know, about deeper and, and more mysterious things. I equally spent a great deal at the barbershop. So there's definitely an equivalent environment in which men also shared their truths and their mysteries uh, as they relate to uh the traditions that we now acknowledge as, you know, sort of hoodoo and, and, and conjure and the like. Uh, I can even remember a time where uh, there were families of undertakers, particularly here in Louisiana, and that gift, that tradition of, of undertaking and, and burial and, and funerary processes were passed down generationally um, through men, often men in, in many families. And often those men were connected, you know, masons, shrinery, other orders. Uh, often those women were connected, the Eastern stars. So, uh, again, when I think of what mother wit is, first it's something older than ancient Egypt. Even the pharaohs of ancient Egypt had to be blessed by, had to, to go through certain purification rituals given by their mothers. Uh, the Maasai warriors, you know, have their twisted dread ochre, you know, ochre-rich dreadlocks, you know, until they reach the age of maturity, which among Maasai is 35, and then their hair is shaved by their mothers. And it's, a, again, another ritual process of, ritual. Of, of our mothers passing down Iyami, passing down that ashe, that, that great magic. But along with that, that mother wit, which sometimes is, is told in stories, sometimes it's told in songs, sometimes it's told in, in, in rhymes, and, and, and other times it's just pure ad, advice when we're old enough to hear that, you know, and to receive that. And so we, it's something we see uh, really universally throughout indigenous cultures, practices, traditions. So the, both the fear and the reliance on the power of women, but particularly the, the mothers. 
somewhere it said the uh, uh, prayer of a mother availeth much. Availeth uh, much. Giving suggestion again to the power of not yeah. just womanhood, but 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 the great mothers that continue sort of the, the cycle of, of life and, and, and our relationship to nature alive. So there is no voodoo without nature, and indeed there's no voodoo without community. With our relationship to our mothers, our fathers, our sisters, our brothers, you know, and, and even in 2021, 2022, we must create and recreate a reality that mirrors our best interest, that mirrors our beliefs. Uh, if, if we're moving away from the church, great. If we're moving away from the mosque, great. If, if, if you now have a problem with organized religion and, and you accept that there might be something else out there for you, great. But among traditional African-based religious systems, let's, com- let's come together as communities. Let's come together as families. And, and for the good of all of us. For the good of all of us. And, and let's start yeah. by acknowledging our mothers. Let's start by acknowledging our mothers. And our grandmothers. Oh, my goodness. Our grandmothers today are taking on so many responsibilities that once upon a time they they you know they rocked in the chair on on the, on the front stoop you know they they sat you know and and rest and and had leisure you know and and Denise earlier in the show talked about you know being young and youthful for her age and i believe you were responding to some of the comments that i made about um you know today we have mothers of a different type fathers of a different type who still want to be young at 50, who still want to be young at 60 and 70. And indeed, right. they have a right to be. We, we live in a different time and space in terms of our awareness of health, our awareness of what we eat and how we live. And so we're living longer. They, they right. say black don't crack, but we're living longer. We're getting older. You know, our senior population is indeed growing. Right. But when we use our indigenous mind and, and we look back to where, you know, indeed we came from, the power and the, and the wealth of our knowledge within our elders was, was guarded, was protected, was nurtured. So, so I see a time where we can return to that, particularly if things continue sort of on the, on the trajectory in the world that they are right now. You know, there will be another pandemic. I hate to break the news to you. There will be another pandemic. Now, now, whether it happens in my lifetime or yours, you know, whether it takes another 100 years, there indeed will be another pandemic, and, and we will have to, again, learn to live with ourselves. Learn to live with well, ourselves. Well, as long as you, uh, you know, pandemics uh, um, have always been uh, on this planet. There's always been uh, a, a revolt of Mother Nature, uh, but the more you do to Mother Nature, the more she's going to do to you. You treat her wrong, she's going to treat. She's going to make you wear a mask for maybe more than a year now. Mm-hmm. And and so, um, yeah, I agree. There's going to be another pandemic. Um, maybe we'll learn some respect. Yeah, 
for ourselves, you know, for each other, for ourselves and for the planet that we live mm-hmm. on. For our we bodies. need to learn. We need to learn some respect. For our bodies, you know, yeah, we, we've gained a greater degree of respect, prayerfully so, you know, from this pandemic. Uh, and Kayla, yes, beloved, um, I agree with you. Uh, I think it has everything also to do with maturity. I don't agree with um, younger people. Uh, and when I say younger people, maybe 16 and younger, given ready access to marijuana. Um, no more than you would cigarettes or, or beer for the first time, you know, or introducing, introducing your child to wine for the first time. And I know that based on the culture, Denise might speak to Paris, you know, based on the culture, uh, children are introduced to wine at a younger age, depending on where in the yeah. world, you know, you're born. But in terms of development, um, and particularly for boys, the frontal cortex is not fully developed until 25. And so in the environment that we're living in, unless we have a greater degree of emphasis on spirit, on mental health, on emotional health, um, I don't think it's good for young people to to be consuming a lot of marijuana at all. Not only that, but the marijuana that of my generation is not the marijuana of this generation. I'm hearing all kind of horror stories about what's being done. Fentanyl being sprayed on it, different ways that it's being manipulated. Uh, this is this is not. Uh, the pure drug of the 1960s, yeah. where you could smoke a joint, go to work, yeah. and 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 have absolute. I'm hearing of addiction for marijuana. Marijuana, I don't remember being addicted. Yeah. But what has happened to that drug is that it has been weaponized. Mm-hmm. It's been weaponized. If you're putting fentanyl on marijuana, that's a weapon. Fentanyl is dangerous and can kill. Yeah. And so I talked to a woman three or four days ago that told me that her daughter lost her mind on, on marijuana and that she was just now coming back to herself uh, for smoking marijuana. I had never heard such things. Um, and so now I know that this, this is marijuana is not the innocent drug of the 1960s. This is not the same drug. So I guess like 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 uh, seeds that we plant for fruits and vegetables, you have to get non-GMO marijuana and plant your own, well, or, yeah. or or grow your own from from seeds that have not been manipulated to 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 become dangerous. This yeah. is not the same drug. That's that's a point I want to make. Uh, first, I want to greet my mom. Uh, hey, mom, thank you for being with us. Beloved Gary Von Sell Savage, we appreciate you. Um, she says the conversation is very enlightening, uh, Denise. And I Thank wanted you. to say, um, yeah, many of you are, are into that commercial, what I call that designer weed. You know, that stuff that's grown in these indoor labs, that's, that's produced under very strict and specific, you know, environment and conditions. You know, you, you have the various types. You know, you have those that are pulling, you know, from, from the stevia, stevia. You have those that are pulling from the indica. 
you know, you have all this kind of sort of manipulation of, of, of nature going on. And I compare it to sugarcane. You know, sugarcane has a certain degree of health benefits and, and nutrition to it. You know, if you're chewing natural sugarcane, if you're using natural, you know, unadulterated sugarcane, but then once you get into all that refining, you know, and breaking it down into liquid, into powder, and then, in, you know, now you've got elevated sugar levels. Now you, you and, and, and chemi- added chemicals to it. Yeah. Yeah. Not non non uh, natural chemicals to it, man made chemicals to it. It it it, it, it it's no longer what it what nature made once you do that, and therefore it's gonna di- act differently in your body. That's right, F Marie, beloved. Greetings and welcome to the show. Where are you calling from, by the way? Hi, everybody. I'm calling from North Carolina. Oh, greetings from North Carolina. Thank you so much for getting on the front lines with us on Block Talk Radio. We certainly do appreciate okay. you. Did you have a question? Thank you. I appreciate com- you all, too. Thank you. Did you have a question or a comment? Um, I just have a comment. Um, I just want to say that I'm thankful and I'm glad that I found you all. I found you and everyone else. Because for many years, I've been lost in where I fit in as far as my abilities. And I'm glad that I finally feel like I have a home and a place that I fit in um, here. Well, I'm grateful, beloved, humbled that you certainly feel that because that's the, the space that I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to provide. So I'm truly humbled and honored by that. Um. Yeah, I just feel like I connect more to um, hoodoo culture and tradition. For years, I've known about herbs, and I've been drawn to different herbs and different types of rituals without any prior knowledge. And later on is when I found out it was connected to hoodoo. So I was really kind of shocked in a way because I knew so much, but I know so little. So I'm just wondering, is there anything or any literature you could suggest so that I can learn more about what, where I come from or where I got these abilities to know um, about these herbs and rituals from without any prior knowledge. It just comes to okay. me naturally. Okay. Now, that's a great question, but it's a it's a big one. Uh, uh, oh. So let me let's break it apart a little bit. Well, first, okay. um, is it anything you can read? And, and, and many of my regular listeners and participants know that I always say read everything. Read okay. everything. Um, it, it's almost like college. It's almost like getting a doctor's degree. I would read everything. That, that's my first response. And I learned that from my mother, who's with us in the chat right now. My mother made us read. My mother didn't allow us to make an excuse for why we didn't know something, why we didn't understand something. And even if she could explain it to a degree, she would, she would make us read. She would make us look it up in the dictionary. She would make us look it up in the encyclopedia. So it's also part of sort of who I am and, and how I'm made up as, as a teacher. But read everything. So let's be specific. You want to read about botany, herbs, plants, gardening. Okay. You want to read about what grows naturally to where you live in North Carolina. Uh, I had a beautiful uh, garden um, in North Carolina once upon a time when me and my mother lived together 
uh, in Wilmington, almost the Carolina Beach. And I, and I grew yeah. what would survive in that sandy coastal region. I also began to use pots at that stage of my development. The bigger the pot, the better. You know, and if you have just a sidewalk, if you have just a front stoop, if you have just a, a, a slight backyard, you know, use huge pots, well-ventilated pots, get, you know, store-bought dirt, you know, fertilizer, and then start growing, you know, your product. Now, I have a preference for clippings, cuttings, things that are already growing that I can see that I know are already growing, developing, don't have a problem, and, and I like to root that or grow from that where I can. I, I'll use seed okay. in the case when I have to. I'll use seed in the case where, you know, you don't have other alternatives. But for the most part, um, I, I like to use a plant that's already in development, um, and then cut a piece okay. of that plant, you know, or, or, or break off a piece of that plant uh, down to the root, and then I replant that in my yard. I replant that in my garden. And learn everything you can about those plants. And then in terms of your spirit journey, um, I heard you say spirit journey. Maybe not those words, but I heard spirit journey. Mm-hmm. And then I also heard sort of ancestors and, and sort of where you come from. Um, so I'm yeah. a strong supporter of DNA. And there's some people in the audience who don't agree with DNA. There's some people in the audience who don't agree with vaccinations. Um, but I'm a strong supporter in vaccination, and I'm a strong supporter in DNA. So use your 23andMe. Use your Ancestry.com. Use your African ancestry. Uh, There there are many sources now available to us that weren't available five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, to access your DNA and your DNA records. And understand that your DNA results don't change, but they will continue to evolve the more people who contribute to the DNA record. So, for example, my indigenous blood from this side of the world has been more refined on Ancestry.com. So, so now they're primarily pulling from two regions, Mexico and Brazil. So it's suggesting that my indigenous ancestors from this part of the world come from the Mexico, somewhere in the Mexican region, and, and, and then we have to understand time. What was Mexico two years ago, before the Louisiana Purchase? When we're looking at Africa, we have to do the same thing. Where where were the Europe people in 1500 versus 1600 versus 1700 versus 1800 versus where they are today? So we can't get blinded by the sort of political, artificial structures set up right now around certain countries and certain regions. That's where I come in, and that's where I provide that ancestral work and divination. And I have a system that I've worked out to sort of make it easier for the clients to find their way to specific regions, specific ethnic groups that you can identify and and pull information from. Now, some of these DNA tests, um, and I use Ancestry.com and 23andMe in particular, um, can even connect you to living relatives. 
Um, and that doesn't mean that everybody always reaches out to everyone who shows up in their registry. But indeed, when you do take a DNA test, there is a registry attached to it. And everybody else who you are blood related to within their system, that particular test, their names, their usernames will begin to show up in your registry. Uh, so I have living relatives in Ghana. I have living relatives in, in Nigeria. I have living relatives in, in Mali still to this day, okay. you know, that, that I'm able to connect with, communicate with, Facebook friends with, you know, Instagram friends with. I've even met um, first and second cousins using ancestry tests. My, bro- my father had a brother I knew nothing about until I found his okay. son using an ancestry test. My mother, who was the only child who was not raised by her dad, has other siblings out there in the world, um, and we're, we're finding them during the, during the uh, DNA test. So that's a great place to start. That's a great place to start. And, and then you can be more specific about regions and ethnicities and ethnic groups. Uh, Nigeria alone has over 200 ethnic groups in it today. And so when we think about, again, wow. and, and where we were captured and stolen from, uh, it's a much bigger uh, network of communities that were robbed, that were raped, than, than what we probably can even conceive in our heads. Uh, when I think about just the the most, you know, important, the most influential tribes that were around uh, during enslavement, the Shamba people from, from northern Nigeria, Cameroon, the Wolof people, Senegal and, and parts of Mali, the Abron people from Ivory Coast, uh, what we call Cote d'Ivoire, Ghana, parts of Ghana, Burkina Faso, the Fulani people, largely in Nigeria today, but you also find, uh, because they are the largest ethnic group in West Africa, one of the largest, you also find them in Central African Republic, Niger, Mali, Nigeria, Guinea, Cameroon, so we're a much bigger tapestry than Orisha. And, and so that's why okay. I sort of make, make my little shady comments about Orisha romance. <laughs> Some people are just in love with the Orisha. You know, Oshun, yeah, go fix yeah. your love life. And, and Ogu, you know, go, go help your career. Yeah. And, and you have no connection to the Yoruba at all, literally or figuratively. Right. You know, um, we can gain connection to these lineages, of course, by adapting their language, adapting, which is initiation, adapting their language, adapting their practice, learning sort of their traditions. But I have always offered since I started doing podcasts that what's available to us, particularly the African-Americans, um, is so much bigger than that. We're so many more people than that. Uh, Denise and I on the last show talked about Whitney Plantation which is a well-known uh, historic uh, archive location here in, in, in Louisiana, uh, which speaks okay. to the footprint of, of, you know, enslavement in, in Louisiana. And <clears throat> they pulled a lot of us from the Senegambia, 
region. The Gambia region, the very first ship. Uh, in fact, uh, the French, especially here in Louisiana, since we were founded by the French, there is a place in Senegal called St. Louis, Senegal, named after Louis the Ninth, the only Saint oh. King in the French uh, uh, in the uh, in the Catholic pantheon. And a lot of us came from that region, the very first ship, and we had the knowledge to produce raw rice and water. So not only did they bring us from that region, but they brought two barrels of rice so that we could plant rice. We had a special knowledge. Rice is not that easy to grow. We had a special knowledge to grow rice in that area. So many of us, when I did my DNA, West, I had no doubt I was West African. I knew the traditions, and I grew up in a household with women who practiced Catholicism, spiritualism, Buddhism. Okay. These women were all over the place. Wherever they could get spirit to move, that's what they practiced. So the fact that I knew I came up uh, 57% West African, uh, did not shock me. Um, okay. So I fully think people should take a DNA test. It'll give you a start to who you okay. really who you really are. And if you look at, into your family, there'll be certain things that'll manifest in your life that will say, "Yeah, that's definitely what's happening." Yeah. Have <laughs> seen a group of women get the circle of dance? Yeah, that's a that's a that's an African thing where we dance in the circle, and it's for several reasons we do that. We leave the center of that circle for spirit to come in. We give spirit a place to come in to dance with us, and that's why we dance in the circle. The other reason is I want the pleasure of watching you dance in spirit. Okay, and not only that in community, I can assess how you feel. By the way you dance, I can tell whether yeah. you're dancing in troubled spirit or in joyful spirit. And so watching you dance tells me so much more about you that if I, if you need healing, I can draw the other women to say, I think she's troubled. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should, it's time for us to help. So that whole dancing in, dancing in spirit, ring shout. And, and and leaving a place for spirit to dance is, is much I know West African. So we manifest our ancestry and our bloodlines in many ways that that we don't even know. Let me tell you, blood has power and it has memory. That I can tell you. That's right. Blood carries yeah. memory. You yeah. carry the memory. We cannot hear you. We cannot Hello? hear you. Denise, we can't hear you. I can hear you, beloved S. Marie. I can't. Can you hear me now? Um, yeah, I hear you now. Yes. I said we, blood has blood has memory. Yeah. It has memory, and I so agree. we learn. I agree. So we're not by accident. We're carrying the memories of our ancestors. Certain things we'll do. Certain things we don't do. That dancing in the circle is one of them. A group of women dancing in the circle. So. Uh, yeah, I, I fully believe DNA should be done to give you a, a beginning of, of where to start looking. And F. Marie, uh, uh, 
Marie, as yes, I, I, I do. You know, S. Marie. Yes, I'm here. As I, you know, began my journey, even before I had my DNA test, you know, I had certain about me, certain habits about me uh, that I just did, just for intuitive, uh, just for natural, only to later find out that they were very specific things that were done among particular ethnic groups that are done, you know, among some of the, the voodoo traditions that many of us sort of covet today. You're definitely on the right, the right journey. Yes, and I'm just so surprised. I'm just going to say this last thing. I'm just so surprised because, like, some of the – I found some things at a beautiful botanica in, in, in Louisiana that I get some stuff from, and I I felt that I needed protection. And like I said, I was connected to, like, agrimony and, and different herbs of protection and lojah, and I got these things, and I put them together for a bath, but at the time I didn't know why or how I knew. I just heard the whispers. And later on, I figured out why I did those things, why I put on the white headdress. It was so, it's just so unusual to me to hear and know, okay, for protection, I needed that. Or for, you know, if I'm praying for prosperity, I needed, you know, I got high done. I just didn't know what they were. It's, right. it's something. Right. And, and, then, and then over time you learn the, the deities, the powers that we call upon that, that represent those endeavors that, that you're seeking. And that knowledge of itself only helps you to make that a little bit more specific. Uh, because right. because okay. whether you're Carolinas, Georgia, Virginia, Maryland, Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, we all had a piece of it. We all got, got a bit of it. And it was called a little, something a little different, you know, in low, low country Gullah Geechee land. It was called something a little different in, in, in the DMV, in the D.C., Maryland, Virginia area. It was called something a little yes. different in, as it traveled up river, you know, to Missouri and, and, and other places beyond. But it's in all of our mothers. Therefore, it's in all of our blood. And it still exists in our ancestral memory. So we're in a unique time in history to uh, free ourselves, to repatriate ourselves, you know, from, from this system that, that we seem to always be fighting the police in. We seem to be always fighting, yeah. you know, the government in and, and free our minds. Bob Marley said it, free our minds and, and, and the rest will follow. And so this is yeah. the path that I found healing, that I found abundance, that I found prosperity in, that I found wholeness in, and it's why I do this every day. It's to provide a platform for people like you um, and Kayla Talk and and S. Marie and my mama and many others to sort of choose Mm -hmm. to bring our unique spiritual energy together, you know, for the benefit of the whole, for the the benefit of the community. I sort of see this as a as a house, as a temple space. You know, we all in our various individualized locations, but we all have a window in, a doorway in to this one space where we can come together under this knowledge, under this power, and particularly for the African American. We're often looking outside ourselves for power. 
when indeed it already exists yeah, within. It's within. Yeah. It's already it within. It's already yeah. within. And I'm just thankful for your time and your teachings, and I just want to thank you for everything that you do, and I just want you to know I'm really appreciative of you. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I'm humbled and honored, truly. And the Goddess Initiative, um, you know, that could be said for too much of anything, beloved. Anything. Too much of anything. It's not a good thing, you know. No. Mm-mm. Everything, uh, uh, nothing should be overdone. You could, you could, too much food, even too much water. Yeah. Uh, everything uh, has its limits. Too much water can kill you. <laughs> you know. That's right. We we don't think about that, but too much water absolutely can kill you, and has too to much food you. can kill you. Yeah. yeah. So I hear what you're saying. I do, but but in terms of blocking blocking up our dreams, you know, there was a time in my my grandparents' generation where you know they swore. You know, too much food increased dreams. You know, you you had too much ham, or you ate too much turkey, or you know. So it it, it changes from generation to generation. I do embrace that what we eat, how healthy we are, how well we we treat our body temple has everything to do with how we dream. Uh, but but then there's trauma and and experience and and things that we have blocks to. Shadow work can can block up your dreams. Um, our minds are uniquely crafted to sort of protect us from too much of something. You know, and so some part of that protection sometimes is the not remembering or, or the denial in the moment. Um, I had to take a really grueling biopsy uh, the other day, <laughs> a triple biopsy uh, the other day, and I was literally in a trance. From beginning to end, I was discussing it with my sister Wapani, and I said, I don't think I said two words, you know, through the whole thing. Okay, 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 which was primarily all that I was able to say, you know, no matter what was said, no matter what was asked. But but I was in a trance to, you know, override the pain, override the discomfort, um, to sort of override the experience in the morning. I mean, in the moment, and, and, and I didn't allow myself until the next day, the following morning, to just sort of sit in the event and, and, and just think it over and, and, and look at each part of it, you know, in a way that I would not allow myself to do while the procedure was happening. So we have defenses, natural built-in defenses to pain, to conflict, uh, to, to dis-ease to discomfort, to things that don't make us feel well, you know. And, and so our minds have that ability to block out really important stuff, really important events, but not so pleasant to, to, to remember, to live through, to think through. And so we often end up calling that shadow work, you know, those, those dreams, those memories, those visions that we would rather not have, would rather not, you know, sort of do the work for. Um, and I don't know about your mind, but I, I mean, I can just pull stuff out from the fourth grade, the fifth grade, you know, when I was a toddler, you know, and give 
vivid detail, you know, that my mother or others can, you know, confirm. So we underestimate the power of the mind, the power of Ori, the power of the head, your first Orisha to really bring the things into our into our existence, into our reality that we need, that we seek, that we desire, that we focus on, that we say. And that what you say enough, that what you focus enough energy on has to happen. It has to happen. It has to happen. What you put your emotional energy into and you say and you continue to, to uh, focus on has to happen. Mm-hmm. Emotion, the universe is an emotional uh, uh, perception. Mm-hmm. So you have to put emotion in your uh, in your speech and in your focus. That's why mother's prayers are so powerful because of the emotion that goes into her prayer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how we survive, the emotion. Dancing, mm-hmm. singing, all of these things among Africans and African Americans, all of these things are emotional. We don't dance just like robots. We dance with passion and with joy and with giving and all of these things the universe is receptive to. And so... And there's a a ritual ritual nature to it, Denise. Ritual nature. You know, because we we do the call and response. You know, we sing the songs with the familiar refrain and and the familiar number of beats and rhythms. And after you sung it, a certain amount of years, a certain amount of time. It's in your blood. It's in your bones. Yes, it's, it it's is. In your, it's in the yes, muscle, it the muscle memory. So even if you're not fully engaged, you know, you bobbing your head, you you nodding, you, you're you're feeling the movement of that thing. So when we do the shirt, the circle shout, when we sing the old hymns and the old spirituals, when, when we sing the blues and the jazz. You know, and, and give it that Jill Scott and give it that Erica Badu like energy. That's right. You know, we are invoking ritual. And, and so if that- you go to a white church and hear Amazing Grace, which I won't sing, because God never made me a wretch. I've never been a wretch. But if you just listen to, no, I'm not. I'm not singing that, and I'm not letting my children sing that. I'm not declaring myself something that I'm not. But if you hear, what, what my point is, if you hear him being sung uh, in, a, in a, a totally white church, and you bring that same hymn into a black, Baptist, evangelical, spiritual, or sanctified church, that's a totally different hymn. The emphasis on the words, and play are different, okay? Mm-hmm. So uh, we will take what was what is given to us, Africanize it to our own rhythm, mm-hmm. and repackage it with our own blood memories, and give it back to you, okay? And listen, those, repackage it. and listen, those old men with stumps would stump their feet, and everybody would get into that rhythm. But even the, even the mother's breath, even the mother's, 
even, even, even in between, even in between the words, even in between the, in between the beats, you know, that's that Yami, that power of women, that power of the mothers would, would leak that's out. Would leak out. And, and again, you might not be in the moment. You might not be interested. You, you can't ignore that kind of energy. You can't overlook no, you that can't. kind of energy. And, no, and, you can't. And the hair would stand they can, up. They can sing that hymn, but when those old mothers in the church would moan, that's a moaning prayer, the unspoken prayer. That'll send you right. Mm-hmm. You know that she's got a connection to something more powerful than herself. She's speaking to something more powerful than herself. That's already within herself. Because when God made you, you were fully formed. That means the spirit of God is in you. This is where your power comes in. Yeah. That's where that mother's wit comes from. Gives you something to tap into. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you stay focused on it long enough, the answer to that will come. And some people say it's in the hands. It's also in, in the woman's hands and the mother's hands. And, and and I can, again, go back in my memory and remember, you know, salves and, and rubs, you know, particularly if you had a cold or, or you had a rash or, or chicken pox or something. You know, grandma always had, you know, some application to be applied. But, but is it just in the application or is it in the hands of, of the mother? Uh, no, about, they know where to touch to yeah. heal. They call it Reiki now. Now it's Reiki, where they tap you and they tap you and they tap. We know those points. We know those points instinctively. They, they, they're not called Reiki. Yeah? I'll t- I always look, when I go into a medical office of some kind, like when I went for my vaccination, and there were like five or six people standing up there, and they say, which lady would you like to give you your shot? Of course, I took the oldest one there who's been nursing for 100 years. That woman was in and out my arms so quick I didn't know she was there. I went to, she said, you're done. I said, you did it? Because, yeah, I need that experience. I need that, I need that mother's wit to touch me. And so that's why I picked that 60-year-old nurse. Versus that twenty-year-old nurse. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And listen to my to my female clients. Um, if you're not willing to pass the, the the test, the hands test of this woman right here, <laughs> I, I won't be taking your request. You know, every now and then I get really personal, intimate, sometimes even disturbing requests um, as it relates to women and the needs of women. And so Denise is one of my first go-to elders. You know, if I have a question, she's going to be one of the first people that's going to know your business that I'm going to discuss, you know, what should I do? How should I address this? Should I address this? You know, and what applications can can then be, you know, applied. And, and again, it takes me back to an older time when, you know, the, the word of your auntie and your mama's sisters and, and, and your older 
uh, female siblings really matter in making critical decisions about people's integrity, you know, people's intentions, people's motivations. Um, let the women get a look at them and see how what the visceral response is. Yeah. So um, I don't handle, you know, women's issues and, and women's requests on my own. Um, and I have a few on my on my desk right now. Some of you might be living listening. Um, it is um, Denise that makes the yeah. the final de- decision for me. Yeah, and it may take me two or three days before Spirit tells me um, what should be done, how often it should be done, and even the recipe for what should be done. Uh, if I'm going to get an answer, it's within three to three to five days, if I'm going to get an answer on that. Um Yeah. Particularly if it's medically related. You know, I I, I I do hopefully a good job of trying to make a clear distinction when I do this show between what's real and what's Hollywood magic when it comes, you know, to voodoo. And sometimes these requests, you know, step into the arena of health, mental health, physical health, female health. And so, again, I, I call on Denise and, and, and a few other, um, my mother, my sister, you know, a few other uh, women, you know, within my private circle to sort of address those um, requests. I, I don't ignore you. I'm not putting you off, you know, to the side. But as, as a professional, um, I, I've got to protect the craft. And I've, I've got to protect our demonstration of how we operate um, within the within the tradition. Um, so it's another reason I wanted to reintroduce Denise to you. She's agreed to be here with us um, a little bit more frequently. Uh, I'll let her speak for herself, but I think she's enjoying it so far. Uh, I am. Um, I uh, I'm enjoying it because. Uh, one of the reasons is because I think it's so important, especially now, that information, uh, that certain kinds of information that speak to the spirit get out there. I think right now, coming out of 2020 with COVID, where we were all locked down and uh, not as active, um, I think we're gearing up to get back to the new normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, I'm happy to do this because I was so sedentary in 2020, afraid to go into my own garden and everything. And I'm getting ready. To, our sacred stories is getting ready to go back to storytelling and telling the history and the culture and the traditions of, of, uh, of Afro-Creoles in this area. And so I have to get used to speaking to an audience again. And also, I have a big love of young people. I love young people. I love young women. I have all kinds of spiritual daughters and uh, uh, 
young women, I think they're becoming women um, earlier. They're seeking, like like my 33-year-old Melissa, they're seeking spirit earlier. Uh, Their gifts are coming sooner. And so it is my pleasure here to see that. It gives me hope. It gives me hope. And uh, my my young my young women uh, are so powerful. They're so powerful in their own right. They know that there's a power there, and they're seeking it. And I need you to continue to seek it. I need you to continue to seek your history and your culture, uh, your healing modalities, your psychic abilities. Uh, I need it because. Uh, we're going to come to a time. We're going to come to a time where we're going to need all our gifts. We're going to need all our gifts. Like like, like Divine Princess, voodoo is nature. Voodoo is nature. And we're going to have to get back to it, right? We can no longer rely on these false, man-made, creative uh, uh, ways of living. We're going to have to live closer to nature in what we eat and how we operate within the spirit and all of these things. So, um, Melissa, I am not, uh, I'm not a reader. You can, you can get your reading from Ty. If there's something about womanhood or something that is not coming spiritually clear to him, he will consult me. But like I told you, it may take, spirit may speak to me three three to five days later, I'll go, oh, okay, that's what she needs to do. But um, I love my young women. I love my men, too. But I can't raise a man. It takes a man to raise a man. We can half-raise men. But there's things about men that we don't know. And if we do, we won't tell, okay? If we did truly discover what we know about men, we will never tell. But when it comes to women, I love to see my women take care of themselves and seek spirit, and and uh, and they're doing it at a younger and younger age. We're going to need y'all to be women longer than I had to be a woman. We're going to need you to be women who stand into your own power and speak your own truth and do the rituals of healing and help other women. We're here to help each other. Nobody comes here knowing everything. We, we grow into this life. And so uh, I need you all to, to continue to do what you need to do. Do no harm. Do no harm. Right? Like I told you, Beyonce's song is the best thing I never had. If something is not working out for you, know that you are fully, completely, absolutely, wholly, uh, totally, uh, protected by spirit. Some things you ain't supposed to have, and you'll be glad in the future when you look at it and go, oh, God, thank you that you didn't give me that. Okay? So follow your path, right? And uh, be sincere and and trust your ancestors and trust the spiritual information that they downloaded in you. Trust that. Test that spirit. It'll let you know if it's for you or not. Ty, it's been my pleasure today. It's my pleasure meeting your uh, your audience as usual. Well, Thank I'm, you for the opportunity. I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Not that I would want to add anything to what you which, that you said, but I do want to say uh, and remind everyone: we're at war. Mm. We're at war. 
it's a fact, it's reality, it's not a rumor of war, it's not a gossip of war, it's not a telling. We are at war for our very lives, for our minds, for our bodies, for our future, for that of our children. And there are a lot of distractions out there, a lot of distractions out there. Distractions for your flesh, distractions for your entertainment. So let's be clear about who we are as powerful indigenous black people, as people of color. Let's be clear about who our ancestors are and were and what they fought through and what they survived through. Let's be clear that the voodoo that we know and understand in the new world is built in revolution, was built in revolution, was built out of the desire for freedom and liberation to combat white supremacy, racism, continued enslavement. And many would say that that we still are fighting that battle. Many would say that we're still in that war, that things just sort of change face from generation to generation. But we're still struggling to stand up in our truth. And in spirit and and religion, spirituality and religion is the one place we can stand up in our truth, regain empowerment, and, and move ourselves forward and fight through the fear and the dissolution and, and the misinformation. Um, I'm grateful as well, um, Denise, for having the opportunity uh, to speak. And I, and, I, and I support your do no harm, but but I, I just had to remind us that we are at war. You know, we Absolutely. are at war. Wait a minute. I didn't say do not protect yourself. Yeah. Let's get the difference there. I didn't say do not protect. I said do no harm. I didn't. I. I oh no, there's a to this. That's two, two totally different ends. I will protect myself. Right. Yeah, it's time for the real soldiers among us to stand up. It's tra- time for the real prayer warriors among us to stand up. It's That's time right. for the real activists among us to activate and stand up. It's time for the real soldiers to stand up in this season, not next season. We're still referencing last season, but in this season. And and the first place we should stand up is in the spiritual houses, is is in our our arenas of religion, is is in our centers of, of truth and power. So I'm grateful. I'm internally grateful. And I look forward to connecting with you all again next time at high noon U.S. Central Standard Time on Block Talk Radio, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Well, Instagram isn't working, so I'm going to do something different for Instagram. But you can always uh, see us and view us and share us in archives on my YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash voodoo tie. And, of course, blogtalkradio.com forward slash blogtalkradio. I'm sorry, forward slash the hyphen, divine hyphen prince. All is truly and indeed a blessing, Denise. Until next time, love. Bye, Ty. Thank you so much. Thank you all. I appreciate your time and your energy and your support and everybody being here. So we're off air, Denise. I'm going to um, close the chat. Uh, Okay. All right, peace.
Thank you, uh, Blog Talk Radio, always for your listenership and participation. And I indeed look forward to reconnecting with you again. Congo Square. The Omus Indians. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us centuries before our arrival. A sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. The Omus Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival. Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came, our host, the Omus Indians, they pushed aside our host. The colonizers came and pushed aside our host and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow, persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment, but nevertheless, even as slaves, we crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life and celebrates death with crosses and crosses, double and triple crosses, the middle passage, the first cross, Christianity, the double cross, and capitalism, the ultimate triple coup de grace cross of our captivity. But the terror of crosses notwithstanding, we sang, we beat, we be, we was and is, hail Congo Square, Congo, Congo Square. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us. Inside the beat of us. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate. A world harrowed by the beat. Be, beat, being, beating, being of black heart drums. Heart beat. Heart beat. Heart 
be at this place, at this place, be heart, be, be, we, beating place in new world space, beating, being in place in new world, preserving our ancient pace, our dance is the God walk, our music the God talk. First thing we do, let's get together. Circle ourselves into community. No beginning, no end, connected together and singing, ringing, singing in a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be Bambula dance. Be Banza music. And sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget. Even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. The bounce, the blood, flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy. Must retain and pass on the essential us-ness that others want to dissipate with out of us. Whoa. But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, no matter how much of us they prohibit, deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day. A feel. A feel. Without shade. But dark. Dark with the people black of us in various, various various shades eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now and still this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat, to be. We are centuries later now and still this sacred ground calls us to remember to beat to be beat Congo Square be Congo Square Beat. 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 
Congo Square. Beat. Congo Square. 